Praise the Lord. Well, get your Bibles out this morning, church. And if you would go to uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 this morning. I'm going to start there. Yeah, I talked with Brother Ivan this week, and we all told him about what was going on with us and the, the property in Kenya, and uh, we're all excited about that. We're, he said that the plans are as soon as we get that property and get going, that we'll be able to feed 5,000 children. Praise the Lord for that. So we're all looking forward to that. Thank you for your generous giving. We're going to knock that thing out and be rolling. Kids getting blessed. Amen? Okay, I want to, I don't know, you can, you can say this is still part of the message I've been on, or you can just write it down in your notes. It's a new message, but uh, I just, I'm titled this thing, Radical Living. And as I, as I was teaching this last month on uh, sowing seeds in your heart, you know, we we're talking about Proverbs 23, I mean, Proverbs 4, 23, that, you know, your heart is where all the issues of life come from. Your heart is the place where you're planting the seeds of the Word of God. I taught you how you're planting the seeds of the Word of God by speaking them out of your mouth, getting them into your heart. Last week, we talked about putting miracle grow on your seeds, getting them growing fast. Two ways you were going to do that was through hope and through worship. And we talked about what worship was about. So I've shared a lot of things with you, but there's something that I, I you know, you got you to gotta take note of this morning. You know, we're so blessed here in, in Texas and the area we live in that, you know, at, at this moment, you're, we're not in physical war. You're not, we're, not, we're not having to go out and dig foxholes and this. Now, there are other war going on, but I'm talking about physical war. And yet you've got to come to an understanding that you are in war. You're in war every day because the Bible says the devil wants to come and immediately steal the seed that was sown in your heart. So there's a war going on. There's a battle going on. The minute you have you ever noticed this, the minute you get some good news, it's like some bad news is going to follow or you, you, you get excited. You get a revelation from the word and then boom, the phone rings and somebody's got a, you know, some bad news or something's trying to steal it. Folks, that is reality. That is where you live every day that the enemy wants to come in. And he wants to steal the word. Now, I've noticed over the period of, you know, 27 years of pastoring that I've watched people and some people get the, you know, the offense comes or the, 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 the bad word comes or the, you know, whatever comes and they get so focused on it, so focused in fighting it, so focused in rebuking the devil, so focused in this, that they, they, their whole life is involved in this issue. Well, the enemy still did the same thing. He still got them sighted over there, got them away from the real purpose of life. Because the bottom line is, folks, we're supposed to be lights and witnesses to everybody in this world. You're supposed to be a happy Christian. Look at the person beside you and say, that's a good goal to shoot for. But I know a lot of Christians who are just that gum right mean. <laughs> Something didn't connect right. I mean, I, I don't even tell people that I'm a pastor. That's so... So hard because if I tell anybody I'm a pastor, the first next thing I'll say, Yeah, I went to a church one time, and then I can hear the whole story, you know. And the good news is, I don't look like a pastor, so I don't have to worry too much about anybody guessing that's what I am. But 
It, it's, it's heartbreaking to me as a pastor because, you know, we're all in this together and I want, to see, I want to see the sheep fed and nurtured and growing and being blessed no matter where they are, no matter what church they attend, no matter what's going on. I want to see people being blessed. Amen. I want to see the word of God working. I want to see Christians being Christians. But what happens to those people is they get so focused on the problem, so focused on the fight that they, they never stop and take a breath and look up. And if you stay in that for very long, you know, you just get mean and ugly. Now, I want to show you this morning something about I'm calling radical living. It's really a simple principle. It's something that each and every one of you can apply to your life. It starts out with things like this. Uh, the, the, the confessions that I have that are always placed out around for you for free, you know, waking up in the morning saying the good hand of God's upon me, whether you feel like it or not. Hello? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed because God's in my life. Amen? Just starting out your day in your confession going like that, the, the, the new one out for February, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm one of a kind. I'm uniquely designed for a purpose that only I can fulfill. Do you believe that? You're not just a bump on a log. Folks, I'm telling you, you are uniquely designed for a purpose that only you can fulfill. There's people in this world that only you can minister to. There's people in this world that only you have the ability to tell them about Jesus and they're going to believe it. They can listen to me. They can listen to tapes. They can listen to other preachers. They can listen to all kinds of stuff. But it's your witness in their life that's going to bring them to know Jesus. It's you. You have a uniquely designed purpose that only you can fulfill. That's the truth. And when you believe that, you'll walk in it. But you got to get things going right. So what I'm talking about today is a, I want to show you something very simple, very simple. But if you'll do it, you'll see an effect in your life that'll begin to change. And then you're going to see battles, but you're just going to get victory over them. You're going to be overcomers. You know, it's that story. It's a, 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 I practice this at home. It's a story of the fighter. You know, the fighter goes into the ring. Goes 15 rounds, finally wins the fight. He's all beat up. He's all tore up. The end of it, the, the, they give him the check for the fight, right? He's the champion at that point. He goes home, gives it to his wife. She's the more than the overcomer, right? <laughs> the more than the conqueror. He's the conqueror, but she's more than the conqueror. That's what happens. And so the other day I got a check. Somebody gave me a check, handed it to her. I said, I'm the here, sweetie, you're the more than a conqueror. And so what I want to show you is, I want to show you how to be more than a conqueror. I want to show you how to be able to, to, to win the battle easy. Not have to get in a fight. Not have to spend all day long fighting the devil. Down on your hands and knees, rebuking and spit flying. Amen? So it says here, Proverbs 23, verse 1. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Consider carefully what's before you. Put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. Can you see that picture? Sitting there with a knife to your throat. You're not going to eat it. You're not going to. For they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich because you're, of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on what is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. 
There's basically three things in this proverb here. The first one is consider carefully what's before you. All right? The second one is don't set your eyes on what's not. And the third is, as you think in your heart, so you'll become. I was reading this the other day, and it was just like the Holy Spirit quickened this to me, that how many times we don't consider what's before us. We look at something and we don't consider it a threat. There's a temptation comes and we just, you know, we don't consider, oh, wait, that's, that's a demonic attack. The other day, I'm telling you, I, I woke up and... I was thinking about buying this property in Kenya. I was all happy. I, I, I just got to just dreaming and just envisioning what it'd be like. And 5,000 kids getting fed and that we're all a part of that and getting to heaven and seeing the results of it. And I was, man, I just, man, I preached myself happy. And then it was like quickly right after that, something happened and, and I started to to get distracted from what I had been thinking about and looking over here. And then I got to be looking at the problem and then I got to thinking about it. And then I kind of got, you know, a little anxious and I got to talking to the Lord, Lord, why is this not going on? Why this isn't happening? How come we're doing this? And, and then in a minute, it was like the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're getting off track. You're, you're, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing here? You're, you're starting to get over here. Don't, don't go there. Don't you see? That's the trap. That's, him putting his delicacies out in front of you, and you're taking the bait. And so I quickly jumped back over there and said, oh, it's going to be great. See all them kids fed. See all those kids in Guatemala and getting blessed. Oh, Lord, yeah, I'm sorry I've thought about that. You take care of that, Lord. I'm just going to stay over here and dwell in my happy place. But, man, I was headed down the road, and I could feel it. I could feel like becoming anxious. Has this ever happened to any of y'all, or has this only happened to me? Can I have an amen if it does happen to you? So he says, consider carefully what's before you. Watch out for that food that's being set. This whole thing is not about your eating. This whole thing is about watch out what plate, what dish gets set before you. What the enemy dangles in front of you. Don't take the bait of the carrot. All right. Then he says, don't set your eyes on what is not. So many times... We set our eyes on what is not. Now, this one right here, don't set your eyes on what is not, is, is rampant in the world today. All right? Now, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little political here, but this, this is a perfect example. Right now, I cannot believe how many people cannot just look back at history and see that socialism doesn't work. All right? I just can't understand it. I cannot understand Either they've never been anywhere or they've never read a history book. When I go through countries that have either been under, under communism or under socialism, and I've been to those countries and I've preached, I've walked those streets, I've seen what it does to people, I've seen the devastation, I've seen it doesn't work, why in the world would you want to go there? Now, of course, we're from Texas, and we're country folk, all right? So when you tell me that the government is going to take care of my education and my health and my, you know, don't have to work quite so hard so I can have more time and have some free time. And they start telling me things like that. Man, it makes me just kind of get, woo, something right here, boys, because I know that isn't the truth. Right? But there's a world out there just going for this and, oh, this is, good. This is the great society. This is what we need to do. Okay? Why? Because they set their eyes on what is not. It's not a truth. Are you with me? It's not a truth. It isn't going to work. 
Hello? Now, if I've offended you by saying that, please go read your history books and just find out what the truth is. Because on this one, I'm right and you're wrong. Sorry, it doesn't work. I believe on helping. Hey, there ain't nobody in this room believes more in helping people than me. I'm a great big giver. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't work that way under socialism, all right? So how many times has the devil said, oh, did you see so-and-so's car? They've got a better car than you. Did you see so-and-so's house? So-and-so's ranch? So-and-so, they've got a better job. Oh, they get better over here. Oh, they got a... That grass is greener on the other side of the fence. That begins, makes you set your eyes on what is not. It's a tactic of the enemy. How many times I've just thought it's hilarious. You drive down the road and there's a, there's a goat or a sheep with their head stuck through the fence, stretching the words of the kid to eat that while there's green grass right behind them. Hello? And every time I see that, I think about us. That the enemy has gotten us off track and he's got us out there looking for something else that looks so good. Oh, that's got to be what you want. But really, you better watch it. You better consider carefully what's before you. You better not set your eyes on what's not because it's a tactic to get you off track. So that then you can become in want, need and misery. Hello. Now, if we begin to learn these things. And you begin to see it and catch it quickly. You know what's going to happen? You're going to save yourself a lot of grief. Because you're not going to go down that path. And then the third thing, it says, as you think in your heart, so you'll become. Now listen. Usually what happens is through the oppression of number one and number two, the enemy now has got you thinking you'll never succeed. He's got you thinking, well, everybody else has got it made but me. He'll, get, he'll root that down inside of you because you set your eyes on what's not and because you desired things that, that uh, you didn't carefully consider what was before you. Now you've got yourself into a place that you're, you're wounded. I, I've told this before, story 42, but uh, somebody's got to be here, didn't hear it. You know, when, I was, when, I, we, were, when we were ranching, we had this trailer and, and it was a, 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 one of the first trailers that came with living compartments. And it was an all-steel trailer. It was really cool. Had a roof on it. We painted it all up. Had our ranch name and everything on it. And, and through losing the ranch and everything, that trailer got away from me. And it was, it was often somebody else owned it. And I wanted that trailer. I wanted it back because as a, as a, it, it was a part of my heritage. And so I worked and squirmed and... Just did everything in the world I could and finally ended up, I got that trailer back. And so I was so happy because then I said, oh, okay, Lord, now, you know, I need, I, I had a truck, had a, a half ton truck that I thought would pull it, put that thing in there. And so then we were working here in the ministry, we were hauling food to Batesville, feeding people down there. And so I went and got my first load, had the trailer. I thought, oh man, look at this. You know what I used to use in the world, now I'm getting used for the kingdom. And so I hooked up that old steel trailer to my little half ton truck and man, I started going down the road. And then, you know, started noticing the old temperature gauge going up, going up, going up. And, and, and I was like, uh-oh, you know. All what I connived around for, wished for, prayed for, begged for, pleaded for, did everything in the world I could. When I got hold of it, it was more than my truck could handle. And I was kind of like, <clears throat> yeah, Lord, I did this all on my own, didn't I? And so what have I got? Basically a hunk of steel behind me that I can't do nothing with. We've all done that before. 
Something, something in life we wanted, we did. Well, what happens a few times out of that, you don't get, you don't grow out of that experience. You let it hurt you. Well, then you get wounded. And then once you get wounded, what happens is your, your thinking changes. And when your thinking changes and becomes negative on the inside of you, then you start to beat yourself up. You start to beat up all those around you. You start to look at everything as negative. Everything is bad. Everything is, is, is down. Nothing is good. No way we're going to make it. Everything we're just going to have. I mean, what is the horrors tomorrow going to bring? You, you, you don't feel good about yourself. You look in the mirror. You don't like yourself. You don't like anything. You don't like anybody. And you've gone down this road now. And as you're beginning to think, you are becoming. You're becoming that Dried up old sourpuss. Look like you've been sucking on lemons all day long. Ain't nothing any good. Nothing's happy. Nobody's any good. You're mad. And I see a lot of Christians like that. And I'm just like, poor soul, what happened to you in life? That you got hurt and wounded so bad that you never got healed over it. And, 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 and look at you. This is not the face of supposedly somebody that's saved going to heaven as a child of God is born again, is watching the blood of Jesus. All your sins are forgiven and all the promises of God are yes and amen to you. You're just like, something's wrong inside. And it's what happened is you're thinking. Do you know that when you, you can go do some research on the mind but do you know the mind never stops thinking? Even when you're asleep, the mind is still thinking. Your brain never quits. It never quits talking. Some of us more than others. But your brain never stops. Something's going on in your head all the time. All right? So I want to get into that. But I want to ask you these three questions first. First one is this. Are you looking at where you're going? You know what always gets me? A lot of times I see people that are on drugs, especially meth, and their teeth are falling out, their hair is falling out, they look horrible, they dried up, nothing's good, and you ask them, how's it? Great, doing good, everything's good, you know, just happy as a hell, but they're just falling apart. I mean, it's like, hey, dude, have you looked in the mirror lately? Your teeth are gone. You need to stop doing that. It isn't productive, but they get so delusional that they can't see that, right? Well, I'm just asking you, have you, are you looking where you're going? Is your life happy? Are you doing good? Are your, are your family members on fire for Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Is it, you know, you seen him blessing, you seen him moving your life, or is this all just fluff? Second one is, are you seeing the truth? I laughed, I heard this, and I'm not going to call names, but I heard this on the radio that uh, one of the presidential candidates uh, held a, uh, a, you know, a town hall or something like that, and 3,000 people showed up, and they were claiming it was a landslide. And uh, then they found out that, that they were serving free beer and rock music. And I said, who, who, I could draw a crowd, 3,000 free beer. I mean, you know, have beer and barbecue out here, and we'd have church full. But my point is, is that that's kind of deceptive. That ain't the truth. That wasn't 3,000 people say, yes, we love this Kennedy. It's like, where's the beer? And then the third thing is, is where is your heart directing you? Where's your heart, your heart directing you? Not your head, but your heart. What, are, you, are you fulfilling the passions of your life? Hello? Okay. Go to Philippians chapter 4. 
Let's talk about our thinking for a second. Because your thinking has got you right where you are today. Whether a good place or a bad place. Or a mediocre place. Philippians 4.8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, what things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. Now, in the King James translation, it says, think on these. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, let's just back up for a minute. Let's look at this list. Whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praiseworthy. So now let's ask you the question. Are those seven things the things you're mostly thinking about in 24 hours? It says here, these things which you learned, received, and heard, and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he's saying, if you're thinking on these seven things, meditating on these seven things, then the God of peace will be with you. Now, right off the bat, I hear you saying, yeah, but, you know, I, I work all day long. Okay. So do I. So i got to ask you a question. I guarantee you, in eight hours of work, you're not 100% of the time thinking about work. Oh, no, Pastor, I do. I'm just right there. I'm in it. No, you're not. You're thinking about work when you're having to do something, if you're entering something into the computer, or if you're welding, or if you're pulling wire, or you're trying to figure out how you're laying something out, or if you're cooking, you know, or whatever you're doing, you're, 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 whatever your job is, you know, you're thinking about that time. But then there's this, this, it happens quick. Then there's just a moment you're just thinking about, oh gosh, what am I going to cook for tonight? Or, oh, I wonder what the kids are doing. Or, oh, can't believe that my husband did that. Or he looked at me like that. Why did he say that that dress didn't look good on me, you know? Thoughts are going through your head. I wonder what so-and-so meant when they sent me that text. I wonder what their face looked like. There's other thoughts you're having. You're not just engaged in just, just, just nothing that you do. I know you. Your brain's thinking. Some of y'all got so many plates spinning. You got them all up on the stick spinning plates. You got, you're thinking about this and 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 thinking about this. You got plates spinning. This is about to do in your, whoo, you got that one going over here. Man, you got them going. Your plates are just flying around everywhere. Right? Can I have an amen? amen? So see, your thoughts are not just totally, completely all on work. Times you are, but there's other thoughts going on. It's these other thoughts I want to I talk to you about. It's all the thoughts, but specifically the other thoughts. Something interesting about that word meditate or think. It's logizomy. I probably said that wrong, but that's close enough. And it means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, and to count over. To take into account and to make an account of. 
It doesn't mean when he says meditate that you're just thinking of it. It's that you're thinking of it and processing it and putting it in its proper place. This word deals with reality. Example, if you reckon that your bank book has $25 in it, then it has $25 in it. If you reconciled your account and you know there's $25 in it, there's $25 in it, that's a reality. Otherwise, if you're believing there's a million in there and there's only $25, you're deceiving yourself. <laughs> Logissimo means you're actually taking the thought, putting it into its proper category of where it belongs, dealing with it so that it's taken care of and brought into reality. In other words, you've got to sort out what is the enemy in that thought life just trying to steal from you your time, your peace, your grace, your mercy, and then deal with that thought, put it in the account where it belongs under the blood of Jesus with the word of God on top of it and get rid of it. When Paul says, these are the things you're supposed to be thinking on, It's going both ways. There's a certain category you're thinking on the promises of God and meditating on them, accounting them to you. And the other group of thoughts that are demonic thoughts, that are thoughts of the enemy trying to trip you up, you're taking them to applying the word of God to it and ending the voice. The other day we were sitting at the table, almost got in trouble. We're having coffee and and in a minute I said, oh, shut up. And the Lord said, what? I said, I ain't talking to you. You're talking to me over here. Telling the other Robert Richards to shut up and sit down, listening to you. But I just said it out loud. Oh, shut up. Because this thought was coming to me. It was negative. It wasn't of God. It was just the thought that was harassing me. And I said, shut up. I'm not dealing with you. That's not the truth. My God says, and so I Turned and I quoted the scripture, applied a scripture to that thought, and you know, it was over. There's no more, no more thought. It wasn't saying anything anymore. It was dead. I killed it. I locked it up. I did what this word means, meditate, think on. I took it. I captured it. I made a reality out of it and said, no, the word of God is true. I will not be defeated. This is what the word says. I am surrounded by the presence of God. This is what the word says. Took that thought captive and put that thought down in a reality of that's a non-truth. And then I looked over here at the truth and said, God, I just thank you that you love me. Oh, God, you so love the world. You gave your only begotten son. You love me. I'm loved in heaven today. Lord, you, because Jesus lives in me, I'm an overcomer. I'm a conqueror. I'm more, Lord God, than I could ever be. You have a destiny for me. You have great things for me. So I begin to speak this out of my mouth. All of a sudden, what happens? And that becomes the reality. So when that becomes the reality in my life, The truth is, the peace of God begins to rule in my heart. But if you don't deal with those thoughts, you just just kind of push them off. You say, they're going to come back. You've got to see it. You've got to determine what it is and destroy it with the word of God so that you can have peace. Everybody say, I want peace. Now, the interesting thing about this is the root word there that means to think. The root of that word is logos. It's what it's derived from. The word logos is the word that means when God says in the beginning was the word, that word it's logos. Talking about Jesus. The word logos 
literally means a word uttered by a living voice, okay? That embodies a conception or idea. When God spoke the word in the world into existence, he spoke the word, the logos. When you begin to speak the word out of your mouth, it encapsulates that word. It puts that word down and gets it in this proper place where it needs to be and brings about a proper reality to you. See, the thing is, you know how they have reality TV shows? They're not really reality. Hello? It's not really reality because people know they're on television. So they're not going to act the same way. It's not really reality TV. It's fake reality TV. <laughs> the only way it could truly be reality TV is it had to be filmed when you didn't know it. Hello? And we all don't want that to happen. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? You just flipped on the show, and tonight it's Pat and Gay Morris reality show. Pat's like, "What? I didn't know." Don't, don't. Yeah. It was filmed, and you never knew it. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? I'd hate it. That happened to me. But you see what I'm saying? The reality is, it's. You know, it's not really reality TV because it's not, they know they're on television. Reality means what really is happening in your life all day long. Not the good, pretty face you put on today. When you go home, what thoughts are consuming you? Reality. My wife and I, this, this weekend was our wedding anniversary. 40 years we've been married. And so we went out, we celebrated 40 years, and we were trying to think back 40 years ago what happened. And there's certain things that just, I don't even know what the reality is. I could not remember. She couldn't remember. And then I'd say, did we do that? I don't know. Maybe we did. <laughs> Other parts of it we could remember. Like we couldn't remember, you know, where we went. If we had a rehearsal dinner. That's pretty bad. You can't even remember that, but I couldn't remember it. She couldn't either. We kind of talked to each other and said, maybe we did there. Well, we did there. We don't know what the reality is. We know we've been married 40 years. We've got a license that says so. <laughs> Point being, some things, some things in life, you don't know what the truth is. Okay? You don't know what the truth is. And just, you know, I guess there is some way to find out about it. But other things, you know if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, the truth of what Jesus has said for you, then it's not reality. If the devil comes to you and says, I'm going to ruin you, you'd have to say, well, wait a minute, that's not possible because you can't ruin me because the Bible says that I'm blessed. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm in covenant with God. I cannot be destroyed. Here's what the Word of God says. You don't have that. That's not reality. Reality is this. The moment you do that, boom, that thought is ended. If it comes back, you say, did you not hear? Did you not listen? To what I just said. Are y'all following me in this? You've got to grab hold of this and grab hold of your thoughts. Otherwise, you spend plates all day long. You're just like the circus act. You're adding more plates and more plates, and you're just having to constantly spin those plates. And it's time to knock the plates down. It's time to get them off and spin one plate. 
the plate that sings forth the praises of God and the promises of God in your life. So what is true reality? Go to Colossians chapter 3. Let me show you something else. Colossians 3.1. Paul again talking about thoughts here. He says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. If you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When it says set your mind on, that really, the, the, the definition of to set means to direct one's mind to a thing, to seek, to strive for, to seek one's interest or advantage, to be of one party and sided with him in public affairs, to seek, to set your mind on things, to set your mind on things, okay? So Paul says here, you got to set your mind on the things above, not on the things beneath. So you have to start dividing your thoughts. Are they things above or things beneath? Now you say, well, I just work all day long, so all I'm thinking about. You're not. Don't give me that line. Yes, you have to think on how you do your jobs. But that's not what all the other thoughts are going to. You have to categorize them. Are they thoughts above or thoughts beneath? It's this simple. It's this simple. You have to categorize them. Are they thoughts above or thoughts beneath? Are they edifying? Are they glorifying? Are they doing something for you? Well, I don't think about anything but work and eating. Well, then what are you thinking on eating? Is that above or below? What are you eating? So, here's how you have to do it. You have to live your day walking around all things, bringing under the authority of the Word of God. So how do you do that? Thought comes to you. What's wrong with so-and-so? Why is she acting like that? You've got to immediately bring it under captive. Take that thought captive. You've got to immediately bring it under and say, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I just pray for them. I just ask you to bless them, and then you just go on. You've got to, you've got to develop this ability. The thought rises up. It's a thought above. You use it. The thought's a below thought, right? Then you take it, and you get the Word of God on top of it and put it down. Don't listen to it. You got to just, that's all it is. It's just that simple. Categorize it. Above thought, below thought. Well, you know, it's going to happen. This world's just going to pot. Everything's going to be. <clears throat> no, Lord, I just thank you that your hand is upon everything because you, your Bible says in Nehemiah 2 and 8, the good hand of God's upon all. Lord, you created this world. You made this world. You're in charge. They're not in charge. They may think they're in charge. They're not in charge. So, Lord, I just put that thought under you. I'm not going to worry about it. Listen, folks, listen to me. This whole year, I'm just cautioning you, this whole year is going to get crazier as we get to the elections. You're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, this impeachment is going to look like it was nothing compared to the craziness that's going to come on. People are idiots. People are crazy. People have lost their minds. But don't get wrapped up in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't get caught up in it, wrapped up in it, that you're freaking, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe. Don't do that. Don't even waste your emotional energy on it. Just play, pray for it and say, God, I think you're putting your hand on them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you're a ruler. You rule. They don't rule. You rule. Hello? And the minute you begin to do that, thoughts go down. They get put into the categories they're supposed to get. They get, 
whatever that word was, logizomized. They get logizomized there. That's not the word, but I'm going to call it that. They get logizomized over in their category with the reality put on top of it. Hello? And then all of a sudden, there, that plate comes down, and you're not spinning it, wasting your energy. Okay? Give you another one. Colossians 1.12. Colossians 1.12. And let me just show you a couple of realities here, and then I'm going to quit. Colossians 1.12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has qualified us. He's qualified us. Okay? Qualified us. It means to make sufficient and render fit. To equip one with adequate power to perform the duties of. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something kind of funny. <clears throat> I say it's kind of funny. I guess funny is not the right word. But while we were uh, taking a little trip, a few days off, we went to Fredericksburg and just enjoyed ourselves. And uh, I went to the Texas Ranger Museum. And there, it's a new thing up there. It's just Buildings are just being built, and I had never been. And so I went, and so we were in there and talking to the, the people were very friendly and talking to them, and they were talking about the Texas Rangers and what they were doing and all this and that and the other. And so they have this big memorial out there. And it's huge, huge, big, giant memorial. And it has a plaque on there of the, the immortal 32, the rangers, the last 32 rangers that went into the Alamo before the fall. And it has all their names on this plaque, and it's going around, and then it takes from that date, and it goes to the next date, and they have the next rangers down. And all these rangers are the ones who've lost their life in service or given their life in service for uh, Texas. And so as they're going around there, and I'm looking at the plaques, and I'd talked to the people before and told them that I had ancestors that were Texas Rangers, and they were like, oh, yeah, okay. And so I went around, and I walk around the plaque, and I get over there, and there it was and from 1860 to 1866. My great-great-uncle, Walter Richards, who was a Texas Ranger, lost his life. His name's written on the plaque. I had no idea it was there. And I'm just looking at him like, I can't believe this. My ancestors right there, I, can't, I, 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 I didn't know. I, I had no idea that he was on this plaque. And so, uh, I mean, it was touching for me. I, I knew that he'd, he'd lost his life. I knew his story. But, you know, I, I didn't know there was, he was honored that way. And so I walked back in there, and so I, I told the guy, I said, uh, hey, uh, uh, my great-great-uncle's out there on the plaque. He's like, what? You know, and I... And so, you know, he's like shocked. And he runs over and gets his form out and says, well, you know, you, here's a form and you can, you can be a part of the Texas Rangers Association of, of Families because, you know, this and that. And he starts handing me all this paperwork and everything. And I was like, isn't it funny? A while ago I was in here. Man, you didn't pay me no mind, no whatsoever. But here in a minute, my ancestors out there on the monument. And now you're jumping. You're hopping, skipping. That scripture right there came alive to me. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me. He's qualified me to be a partaker in the inheritance of the saints. He has qualified me. God, through the, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, this is the reality you need to get hold of. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, the moment he came into your life and you made him Lord of your life, that moment God qualified you. He qualified you to be in, with the inheritance and the saints. You went from, oh, yeah, to, hey, hey, oh, oh, my gosh. 
It's you. A saint. A saint in the kingdom. But the devil wants to beat you down and wants to make you think that, oh, you're just lowly worm in the dust. You're not going to make it. He can defeat you in a second. You don't have anything. But no, no, no. God says, no, no, you're qualified. Here's the paperwork. Fill it out. You're qualified. And to see the difference on the look of that, 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 that individual's face, and I'm not dogging him. He didn't know. But I was just a person. But then when I became one of the family members of somebody on the plaque out there, I was treated different. And I was like, oh, God. I just saw the reality of the whole thing. I was like, man, what does heaven give you? If God says, I got qualified, that's exactly the example. He was just having a living example showing me of what it means when you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. When you petition heaven, when you go to the throne, when you're talking to Jesus, what power, what authority you have. And you're going to let the devil lie to you and get you to spin in some plate? Some plate of offense, some plate of fear, some plate of of jealousy, some plate of, of, you know, whatever it may be that he got you to spin in and you're wasting your energy when you've already been qualified as a saint of God in the inheritance and the power and the rights and the privileges under the blood of Jesus. And you're going to waste your time thinking about that. You're going to waste your time thinking that the devil's going to defeat you, that you're not going to make it, that you're nothing. That Oh, man, folks, we got to quit. We need to go home and start shooting some plates. Hello? You've been qualified. You've been made sufficient, rendered fit, equipped to perform whatever you need to perform. That is truth. That's the reality and the things you need to be thinking on. Put these other things down. Put them to rest. Take that thing outside and get rid of it. Let me read another scripture. 13, verse 13, Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. He doesn't have any right. Listen to me. If a French policeman came in here right now, And said, we be monsieur. <laughs> you cannot preach at this service. We said, get out of here. You ain't got no rights. We'd never even consider it, would we? I mean, <laughs> this from y'all's reaction of me picking the guy, French guy. <laughs> God bless y'all. We love Jesus. And you're watching. Are y'all following me here? You wouldn't even give him the time of day. Say, get, what are you doing? Take your hand off me. Get out of here. Right? You don't have any authority over me. That's how you need to treat the enemy. It says right here, you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. He didn't have any power over you. He ain't got any authority over you. Why, is he, why are you letting him talk to you? Why are you letting him drag you down? Why are you letting him discourage you? Why are you letting him get your tail all twisted and just working on your tail? Huh? Why are you letting him get you all upset, think you're going to be defeated? Thank God won't heal you. Thank God won't deliver you. Thank God won't save you. Thank God won't, won't provide for you. Why? You've, he has no power and authority over you. Why are you listening to him? Turn the radio off. Let me read verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Oh, golly. You got alienated and an enemy in your mind? In your mind, 
Yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, to present you, to present you. He's already reconciled in the body of his, and through his blood, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Hey, I, this is not, this is not the doctrine of Robert Richards. I'm preaching to you the word. Why have we let the enemy take authority in our thoughts? Let's get into some radical living, radical Christian living. Shoot down your plates of doubt and unbelief. Shoot down your voices of the enemy. Shoot them down. Apply the word of God to your life. And if you're going to spin anything, spin, man, the plate of the praises of the word of God. Amen? You say, Pastor, I know what you're saying, and I really want to, but I just can't. I just, the thought just can't, so I just can't, I just can't get over it. Well, I don't want to be hard on you, but the word works. And you cannot apply the word of God over your situation in faith and it not work. You may find out that you were spinning one big plate and 13 little saucers. And you maybe knocked a big plate down, but you still got to deal with some of the saucers. Okay? But I'm telling you, God will deliver you because his word is true. Two kinds of thoughts. Thoughts above, thoughts below. Get what are the ones below. Thank on the ones above. And peace rules your heart. Really complicated, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that the gospel's so simple, but we make it so complicated? We make it so complicated. It's like you say, well, all you have to do, brothers, is believe by faith. But what is faith? You follow me? And then you go through, you tear down. I was watching on television this preacher from another denomination it just happened to be on and i flipped my stop and i got to listen to him and i love jesus with all my heart and i know the word of god really good and as i was listening to him i thought you've got this so twisted around i don't even know if i know what you're talking about because we get so heady so high-minded and so theological sometimes that we miss the simplicity of the gospel think on the things above don't think on the things below and peace rules your heart wow complicated amen but y'all are going to do it. Stand to your feet. Can I have my prayer team come down? If you're out there today and you're listening or watching the Waterhole broadcast, I just want to tell you something. I'm so glad you tuned in. So glad you're listening. But let me just tell you this. It's a simple message, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. Today, if, you, if you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven, you're not sure that you're right with God. Well, then all you have to do is right where you are, according to the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth and you'll believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the cross for your sins and ask him to forgive you of your sins and confess him as the Lord of your life, well, then right where you are, the spirit of God will come upon you and he'll touch you and he'll bless you and he'll heal you and forgive you. And your names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're in here today, listen to me, and you're not sure you're right with, with God, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer to everything there is in life. We've got our prayer team up here this morning. If you want to come and pray with them, maybe you've got somebody with you, brought a friend, whatever, and you don't know if they know Jesus, well then, man, come up here and, and just pray and ask him to come into your life. If, you're up, if you need prayer for anything, we're up here. But I just want to encourage you, church. I know you are the overcoming, conquering more than conquering church. Amen?
Look at the person beside you and say, that's who you are. That's who y'all are. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are an unbelievable, amazing church. We're country people. We'll get the job done. Hello? But I just want you to know, you're going to do this. You're going to take this message. You're going to start catching the enemy this week. When you catch him, man, put a hurt on him. No mercy, no quarter. All right? Put a hurt on him. Get the word of God. Just rub his face in it. Just take his face and rub it in the word of God. Enjoy it. All right? Enjoy it. Get those thoughts above and not the thoughts below. And you watch how the peace of God will come in your life. And then y'all are going to be happy Christians. Everybody's going to say, how come you're so happy? You say, oh, man, I got good thoughts. God's for me. Woo. Amen? Amen? Amen. Grab that person's hand beside you. Father, I just declare right now over this congregation, these are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Lord, I thank you for your hand being upon each and every one of them. I declare this day, Lord, that we begin to see the traps that the enemy has set for us. We begin to grab hold of the thoughts that, are, that are, have, have, have just consumed our lives. We begin to stop spinning the plates, let them fall, let them stop, and get the word of God working over it. Lord, no matter how much the enemy tries to make things look real, we know that there's nothing real except your truth in your word. So bless them this day, Lord. I ask you to bless them and let us be those Christians that are smiling and loving people. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.